This year, we launched a new Goop travel series called The Goop List. I wanted a way to share annually what I found to be the best of the best, from my favorite places to stay in Italy to a truly special spa in Costa Rica. If you are inspired to travel more this year, perhaps because you perused our recommendations on the Goop list, hosting on Airbnb is excellent for people who frequently travel. The beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Alongside frequent travelers, Airbnb is also great for those who have extra space or an in-law suite that isn't always being used. If you've stayed at an Airbnb before, you know the unique experience it offers. Now you can share that same experience with others while earning some extra income. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Elise Lunen, Chief Content Officer and co-host with Gwyneth of the Goop Podcast. Today, I'm talking to my good friend, Dr. Will Cole. Before we get to our conversation, I want to give a quick shout out to our friends at The One Atelier, The Kai, who made today's episode possible. There's been a lot of innovation in the clean beauty space, but Jean Godfrey June, our executive beauty director, will tell you that one of the most exciting things to happen in a while is this, a new line of high-performance clean hair products designed in the salon of one of the world's top hairdressers, Frederick Fakai. It's called the Pure Collection by the One Atelier Fakai. It's made with 95% natural ingredients, including soothing aloe vera. There are no sulfates, parabens, or silicones. It's vegan and naturally fragranced, and it really works. Jean loves the Pure Shampoo, Conditioner, and Mist so much, we've got them stocked in the Goop shop now. But you can also shop the Pure Collection at theonebyfakai.com. And if you're on their site, you can enter Goop at checkout to get 20% off your purchase of the Pure Shampoo, Conditioner, or Mist. Don't hold anything too tightly. Just wish for it, want it, let it come from the intention of real truth for you, and then let it go. For me, our soul is like, it's unbound, it's limitless, but we will use words to limit ourselves. When people stop believing that somebody's got your back or Superman's coming, we turn to ourselves, and that's where you become empowered. Courageous participation attracts positive things. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. This is the Goop Podcast, bringing together thought leaders, culture changers, creatives, founders and CEOs, scientists, doctors, healers and seekers, here to start conversations, because simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. Today is no exception. I'll let Elise fill you in on her extraordinary guest, and I'll come back after their conversation to answer a question from one of you. If you have a question you'd like me to get into in our next round of Ask Me Anything, send it to us at Goop on Instagram or Facebook. All right, over to Elise. Will Cole is a functional medicine practitioner, co-host of the Goop Fellows podcast, and author of Ketotarian, along with his newest book, The Inflammation Spectrum. Today, we're talking about inflammation, of course, and chronic health problems, functional medicine, and how most inflammatory conditions are improvable. But most of the time, it's up to us and our lifestyle choices to manage them. 
We talk about Will's family's history with autoimmune disease and how his conscious, healthy fear inspired him to become an expert on inflammation. We'll get into developing healthy attitudes about food, where we fall on the inflammation spectrum, and how Will manages to look so young. Most importantly, Will takes us through the ways we can learn more about our bodies and the ways we can calm inflammation to move in the right direction for our health. We don't need another fad diet. We just need like, what's a sustainable way to use food as medicine to feel good? Because people are so unnecessarily struggling with health problems and we can start to decrease the frequency and intensity of these issues that people are going through. Okay, let's get to my chat with Dr. Will Cole. Hi, Will. Hey, friend. (laughs) (laughs) Here we are. I still remember the first time we ever spoke on the phone. Years later, here we are. Mm -hmm. Co-host of the Goopfellas podcast. Yes. Now you've written two books. This is my second book. I have to say, you are always, you know, every time I come to you, you're essentially like, do ketotarian. Like, what are you waiting for? Do the ketotarian diet. And I don't take your <laughs> advice, but apparently I dish your advice. I went to a friend's 40th birthday party this weekend and she looked amazing. She always looks amazing, but she looked amazing. And I was like, why do you look so amazing? And she's like, well, I'm doing ketotarian because you told me to. Oh my gosh. And... She's dropped weight, she's glowing, and her, I think she was doing it with her cousin who had lost 35 pounds. Wow. And needed more of a health intervention, but I was like, God damn it, like, why don't I take (laughs) other people's advice and just insist? It's so so much easier to give advice. It is so much easier. Yeah. But you take your own advice. Yes, I do. I mean, you are Tuck Everlasting Peter Pan. <laughs> you look like a 15-year-old. Yeah. You yeah. are Doogie Howser. Yeah, I am actually, yeah, I'm, I'm actually 18, but <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm 35, but, but thank you. But you age backwards. Benjamin Button. You are Benjamin Button. Is it just because you're, I know you're not vegan anymore, but no. 10 years as a vegan. I was vegan for 10 years. That was better than the standard American diet. But for me, I kind of evolved to ketotarian, which is a mostly plant-based ketogenic way of eating, as you know. So yeah, I think it's that, but I don't know. I don't know if it's... People say that I look younger. I don't know. I feel I feel 35 in a good way. I don't. It's not old, but it's not young either. Have you ever been a bad eater? Like, did you have a health crisis? And, and some sort of intervention or I know you don't really drink. Yeah. No, I never really did, but I have autoimmune conditions on both sides of my family. So I was scared in a good way. I was afraid. I was a conscious, a healthy fear of this, what, this is what could happen Mm -hmm. if I left my genetics up to their own device and just ate like crap and lived like crap. I was intentional to do everything I could to improve my health, but we can't control everything. And I'm, I have that, that humility of realizing and seeing patients that do all the things and bad things happen to them. So I'm doing everything I can to decrease risk factors, but still not cocky or arrogant enough to, to know that, to think that nothing can happen. Right. And I love, I, this book is brilliant in part because it's, any everyone loves to diagnose themselves, as you know. Yes, I gave them a quiz. <laughs> yes. People I, love quizzes. I love the quiz, yeah. although I'm I, I'm terrified of my very high score. I definitely qualify for polyinflammation. Okay. But so, all right. So let's talk about the inflammation spectrum. Let's talk about even what at its. I think we all think we know what inflammation is, and probably kind of do. But can you 
take us through what that means when it's widespread? Yeah. So inflammation is a product of our immune system. It's a good thing in balance. So if inflammation in balance fights viruses and bacteria, it heals our body. So that's inflammation in check and in balance and what, what we need to live and survive and be healthy. The problem is when inflammation's out of balance. I mean, it's I, I kind of I see it as macro and micro. Like on a macro level, we look at climate change and sort of global out of balance is global inflammation mm -hmm. that's going on. And I think that what's going on on a micro level, on a personal level, is climate change on a biological level. That this breaking of the Goldilocks principle, inflammation should be high when we need it to be, and then. And it's calmed down when, when the problem's over, when the virus is gone. But when you look at the level of chronic disease in our society, mm -hmm. the commonality between these is chronic inflammation. Mm -hmm. So diabetes, heart disease, autoimmune conditions, hormone problems when it comes to resistance to hormones, digestive problems, these are all inflammatory. And even the things that maybe the common person wouldn't even think of as of as inflammatory, like anxiety, depression, fatigue. These are all in the literature to at least have an auto, uh, an inflammatory component, if not be full-blown inflammatory conditions. So this is a problem of our society. And as I say in the book, it's the age of inflammation. It's mm -hmm. the storm of inflammation. And we need to do something to improve that because largely these things are improvable and manageable and supportable things with lifestyle changes and medications when needed. But we wield so much power with the choices we make in our life to yeah. improve these things. I want to talk about food and sort of those lifestyle factors, but just to, to build on what you said too about it being sort of akin to climate change. Like I think we all, it's like, I think very powerful moment for people when they make that connection between what's happening environmentally and then what's happening in their own bodies. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't know if you saw it, but there was an Atlantic monthly piece recently about how I think it's a, a longitudinal study. They looked at adults sort of in the same bracket and essentially despite not eating more calories and despite potentially exercising more than our counterparts in the seventies, we are 15% heavier. Mm -hmm. And they called out environmental toxins and personal care products and their impact on, or unknown impact on the, our hormones yeah. and hormonal systems. They talked about the transition in the microbiome is probably being a factor and then sort of what's happened to our food. But there are these like, it's trackable, mm -hmm. this, and, and we feel it. It's this like, why am I... Mm -hmm. heavy despite all of yeah. my efforts and yeah we're seeing it like never before and we are we like to think of ourselves as separate from the world but we are part of the world yeah so it's all connected what's groaning the world is groaning us mm -hmm. absolutely and I love that you start with food and end with food often I mean it is it's interesting like what do you think I know most doctors get like 15 hours of nutrition yeah. training throughout the course of their, mm -hmm. their school. Yeah. The statistics are pretty abysmal that most doctors, according to some studies, would fail a basic nutrition quiz from mm -hmm. the training that they receive in conventional medical school. 
So that's why so many of my colleagues go to these postdoctorate uh, functional medicine training. If they have an interest in food as medicine and, and wellness, they have to get it outside of medical school. Why do you think it was dropped? Do you think that it was perceived as like too every day, like too mundane to be of the interest of doctors? Or do they, do you think that there was this baseline assumption that we were all capable of eating well? Or do you think it was that they didn't understand or didn't make the connection? Like why, why is it skipped? I don't know. I think that there probably are many reasons and it probably is like many things, this slow, insidious drifting of priorities. Mm -hmm. And we found ourselves in a place where we're so detached from the earth and we're so detached from food as medicine that it's seen as radical or new. It's actually not radical or new. It's, it's something that was the, f- the father of modern medicine, let, said, let food be thy medicine, medicine thy food. Mm-hmm. So this is what medicine was with the, for the majority of medicine. Right. But then this last couple of decades, we've shifted that priority. But I think it's People are awakening to the fact that we need to do something different to see something different. The Cleveland Clinic has a functional medicine center. A lot of mainstream places are having functional medicine centers now because you can't look at the statistics and say this is working for us largely Mm -hmm. when it comes to chronic disease. For emergency care, amazing. Like We need life-saving surgeries, medications when needed. But for the large amount of chronic health problems, there's a lot more effective options in functional medicine without all the side effects. Right. And I know you talk, you, you love a spectrum and I love a spectrum too, but you know, we live in a very black and white medical world where you have the disease or you don't, and Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of attention paid to those intervening years when that disease is developing and reversible. All right. So in terms of the the concept of the book, you highlight how many different inflammatory centers are seven, there? Seven. Seven areas. Oh, right. It's a magical number for you. you no, know, eight. Eight is. You're right. Okay. But seven is this order. I, I love that you know that. Yeah. It means a lot to me. So seven sections on the inflammation spectrum. There's brain and hormones and digestion and musculoskeletal and di- detoxification. There's seven. And then the eighth is polyinflammation. It's okay. the connection between all the the seven. So then you go through each of these inflammation assessment quizzes, which I thought was fascinating. Like the fact that you, like, which one was I like, are the outer thirds of your eyebrows thinning or missing? I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I was just going to bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. Like so, interesting. Obscure questions that I like people are like, why the heck are you asking me about the outer third of my eyebrows? But that's <laughs> a sign. Like this quiz in the book is adapted from questions that I ask patients. Right. When I'm consulting them. So that's a sign that your thyroid may be off. These are pointers. These are like check engine lights. Right. That like, okay, the check engine light's on, but what's underneath the hood? What's dysfunctional here? So we can yeah. lean into and it. And so the way that the book is structured, which I think is brilliant, is you go through, you assess each of these seven systems, and then ultimately your eighth, and then you tabulate the results to see how much inflammation you have and where that inflammation is located. My total quiz score is 50. Right. Nice round number. That's a nice, that's a nice compliment. (laughs) It was like, if you're, if it's over 15, then you need to. Yeah. And it's not to put fear into you. It's, (laughs) (laughs) it's just to say, Hey, look, you're going to need 
the more advanced track in the book. Yeah. And that's even the advanced track, we're talking about lifestyle changes. This isn't like to say you're going to die tomorrow. This is just to say, look, we need to start calming inflammation and start moving in, in the right direction. But I wanted to give the people that are lower scores a simpler approach. Right. So it's core four, removing eight things, eliminate. Yeah. So this, if you need a, a play on words, I'm your guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so many. I wake up in the middle of the night, think of like <laughs> puns for books and articles. And eight weeks. So you eat core four grain. Core four is for four weeks and it's four oh. foods. Eliminate is eliminate with the number eight instead of A-T-E. <laughs> and that's eight words. So, okay. So take us through what's in the core four and then what, what makes up the eliminate. Yeah. So the core four are the four foods that if you're lower scores on the quiz, you would be removing for four weeks. So that's going to be grains, dairy, sugar, and inflammatory oils or higher omega-6 oils. Again, some people can tolerate these. Some people can't. We're doing an experiment for yourself mm -hmm. for a couple of weeks to try to bring them back in. So this is a... It is a, a fresh spin on the elimination diet. I try to simplify it, make it fun, and not be so arduous. And the eliminate plan adds the core four plus four more. So that's going to be nightshades, nuts and seeds, eggs, and legumes, which are beans, basically. So yeah, it's the core four on the eliminate track. Based on the quiz score, you can find out what plan Lentils, you should do. Lentils, black beans, pinto beans, chickpeas. Yeah, so I, oh, and I don't agree... Uh, with the idea that everybody under the sun has lectin problems or, or you know, these pro grain proteins or legume plant protein problems. Some people do, some people don't. So we're doing this experiment to see where you thrive. Because mm -hmm. if a food makes you feel lousy, avoiding that food isn't punishment. It's like, no, I, I love feeling better more than I miss that food. Right. And maybe I can have it in small amounts. Maybe I can have it in like a pressure cooked, soaked version. Or maybe I can have it every day and feel fantastic. Right. But when you're having just chronic inflammation, there's no way for most people to who eat, let's say, a chickpea to say, oh, it was that chickpea. Right? Like it just gets lost in sort of a sea of... Yeah. It's, there's so many variables to consider. Are most people surprised? Most people are surprised because they, they may have a hunch on the bigger like obvious things like sugar mm -hmm. or like maybe like wheat, but they don't know it is the random chickpea or the random whatever. Yeah. And then we all have these genetic variances that I talk about in the book, like the MTHFR gene SNP, mm -hmm. these cannabinoid gene SNPs that some people are genetically more prone to these food sensitivities. Some people don't. The other thing I take a... extreme offense to, Will, is that you say that alcohol and coffee are not foods and therefore... I know, man. Jeez. I, I could add it as a food group. <laughs> food group fun. <laughs> That's right. Food group fun. That's my next book. So no coffee, no alcohol. For the time. And we allowed <laughs> for the time for four weeks or eight weeks and then try bringing it back in. And some people can handle more wine. Some people have histamine intolerance from wine. I, I feel motivated in part because like it's so intuitive. Like even in a set, it, essentially you can figure out where most of your inflammation is, whether it's your detoxification system or your... For me, it was my hormonal system, but just even the idea of like making my own, because when you give the toolkits for each one, yeah. making my own salt water. Oh, sole water. Sole water. Yeah, which is for people that don't know, it's basically 
concentrated salt water that it gives your body the electrolytes and the sodium and all the good electrolytes to help balance the brain yeah. adrenal axis the hpa axis yeah so when you're working with clients in your practice and you sort of take them through this process one on one which i know many people like to do and have their yeah. hands held this is a distillation of that this is yeah exactly so as you know i primarily consult patients online that's my day job it's it's i you know goop fellas i love goop fellas but my day job is con- consulting patients and all of the stuff in the book is really a, an amalgamation of what I talk to patients so they can start to take you know action on their health for themselves. And there's even labs in the book. There's a lab section. If people do want to get that data, mm-hmm. they can, but they don't need to. They can take the quiz and kind of lean into this. And then maybe later on, they do want to run the labs. But I realize that not everybody wants a functional medicine doctor. Not everybody needs a functional medicine doctor, but they can start making lifestyle changes in their life for themselves. Totally. Which is amazing. And a, to- and a very... At worst, harmless, and at best, in four or eight weeks, Mm -hmm. a feeling of feeling much better. Lowering inflammation. So we're starting to recalibrate and modulate the immune system in a way that's balanced. Because it's inflammation, again, out of balance, that's the issue. And through the foods that you eat, and then we talk about the non-food inflamers to start bringing that down. Right. And so with the food, as you eliminate them, then when you're done with this four or eight week process, you reintroduce them in a thoughtful, outlined way to determine what the factors are, because we're all completely bio-individual. Yeah. And like, do you know, what what are you, do you have responses or do you eat so clean at this point that you could almost eat anything. Yeah, I'm, I'm a demigod, so I can eat anything. <laughs> <laughs> Not true at all. I don't do well with lots of dairy, and I don't do well with sugar, even though I do. I love eating sugar. If I, if I could love my own, I would have those gluten-free cookies with sugar and eat too many of them. But I know that's not going to be good for me. Mm-hmm. And some people have more tolerance to sugar. Some people have less. And the goal of the Inflammation Spectrum book is to find out what your body loves, what your body hates, to try to avoid making too many broad-sweeping, overgeneralized statements. Because seeing patients for the past 11 years at this point, I realize we're all different, mm-hmm. different preferences, but we also have different microbiomes. We have different food reactivities. We have different set of baseline for where we're starting out on our health journey. So yeah, I don't do well with dairy and sugar grains. I don't eat gluten at mm-hmm. all, uh, grains containing gluten. Um, I'll occasionally have gluten-free grains like rice. And I typically would have white rice because it's more digestible. You're so disciplined. I, I, anytime I see you, I feel like I try to corrupt you because we all <laughs> hate it when other people are so perfect. And I'm not habits. perfect. I'm not perfect at all. I, we all have our own vices. My, I love, I eat too much peanut butter. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. Crazy. <laughs> Someone c- commit me. Uh, and I, uh, I don't, I, I can't eat too much sugar at times. Yeah. Like if I see gluten-free, a bag of, of gluten-free cookies, I will eat too like many Like the Glutina wafers? Wafer no, you cookies. know what it is? It's the Goody Girls birthday cake cookie. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, you know, I'm a, also an advocate for not shaming yourself. If you're going to mm-hmm. eat it, eat it rationally and move on and then take inventory of does this serve me? I will say, though, whenever I've I've thrown myself into any sort of elimination diet, like clean program or anything like that, I do 
feel so good. I know you hear this all the time, but I feel so good. I want to mm-hmm. keep going. And it just becomes easier. It's like the beginning is such a hurdle of like what – and I like too that you also within the book are like these are the things that you can't eat, but like more importantly here are the things that you can because mm-hmm. then you start to imagine the possibilities. Yeah. And I don't want things to be punitive and I want it to be a part of – a real life approach and sustainable. I'm like, we don't need another fad diet. We just need like, what's a sustainable way to use food as medicine to feel good? Because yeah. people are so unnecessarily struggling with health problems and we can start to de- decrease the frequency and intensity of these issues that people are going through. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. This year, we launched a new Goop travel series called The Goop List. I wanted a way to share annually what I found to be the best of the best, from my favorite places to stay in Italy to a truly special spa in Costa Rica. If you are inspired to travel more this year, perhaps because you perused our recommendations on the Goop list, hosting on Airbnb is excellent for people who frequently travel. The beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Alongside frequent travelers, Airbnb is also great for those who have extra space or an in-law suite that isn't always being used. If you've stayed at an Airbnb before, you know the unique experience it offers. Now you can share that same experience with others while earning some extra income. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com host. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. We'll get back to Dr. Will Cole in just a second. If you listen to our spinoff podcast series, The Beauty Closet, then you know what our executive beauty editor, Jean Godfrey-June, sounds like. But if you don't know what she looks like, she's gorgeous, and her hair always looks amazing and effortless, and it's probably a couple feet longer than mine. So when Jean recommends a hair product, you listen. And right now, she loves the Pure Collection from the One Atelier Fikai. It's the new luxury hair care line by world-famous hairstylist Frederick Fikai, and it's his first totally clean collection. The products draw from the power of botanicals and are made with 95% natural ingredients. Some of them include aloe vera, hydrolyzed quinoa protein, pro-vitamin B5, and Edelweiss antioxidants. The Pure Collection is free of sulfates, parabens, and silicones, and it really works. Jean used the shampoo and conditioner this morning, and because she's way more of an authority than I am, I'll tell you what she said about them. They smell great, feel great, and leave your hair shiny and bouncy. It's truly no compromise. A chic, incredible performance shampoo and conditioner. I believe all this because Jean's hair really is that luxurious. You can find the Pure Collection in the Goop shop, or you can go to the onebythakai.com. If you're on their site, enter code GOOP at checkout to get 20% off your purchase of the Pure Shampoo, Conditioner, or Mist. It's that time of the year again. We're celebrating one of our favorite holidays on Saturday, November 16th. It's called InGoop Health. And for the first time, we'll be up north around San Francisco. If you're not familiar with InGoop Health, it's our Super Bowl version of a wellness summit. Gwyneth and I will be hosting a series of talks and panels with incredible thought leaders, and there are many more extraordinary practitioners, teachers, and culture changers leading classes and workshops. We'll be covering a lot of ground, physically and metaphorically, 
We'll learn about intimacy, the power of connection, fasting, tools for reducing stress, and how to quiet our inner critics. We'll be joined by some of the people I admire most, like psychotherapist and psychological astrologer Jennifer Freed and psychiatrist Will Sue, who are teaching a joint workshop on manifesting your authentic self. Wall Street legend Sally Krawcheck will be leading a masterclass on money. Judy White is teaching a workshop on what dreams really mean. Walter Longo is giving us his longevity secrets. And you'll get to bounce on a mini trampoline with Lauren Roxborough, which is, coincidentally, my favorite pastime. And because it's Goop, you can also expect B12 shots galore, amazing food and drinks, and some surprises along the way. If you've been to an InGoop Health before, I hope you'll be back. And if this is your first time, I can't wait to meet you. The summit is on Saturday, November 16th, and you can get tickets now at goop.com slash ingoophealth. Back to my chat with Dr. Will Cole. I know you mentioned that you don't eat gluten, and I know gluten is incredibly triggering for people who don't have never don't know anyone who's intolerant or celiac. And I and you sort of ex, I think do a great job of explaining again another spectrum. Can you take mm-hmm. us through? I guess with any of these foods, what it looks like when you're allergic, and potentially in a life-threatening way to what it means to like have a food not be very tolerable to you? Sure. Yeah, so there's food allergies, which are immune-mediated, meaning the immune system's being uh, activated. And it's typically uh, that initial anaphylactic response. It's that uh, a wheat allergy or a, a dairy allergy or people that have peanut allergies. It can be life-threatening. Mm-hmm. And then there are intolerances, which... We, we throw these words like allergies and intolerances and sensitivities around, but allergies are that, what I just said. Intolerances are, by definition, not immune-mediated most times. So it's typically an enzyme deficiency, mm-hmm. like lactose intolerance. They're, they're not having enough of the enzyme lactase. And then sensitivities are immune-mediated like allergies, but they're typically more uh, low-grade delayed, less of that immediate response, but still can create these low-grade inflammatory responses like digestive mm-hmm. uh, issues or neurological symptoms or musculoskeletal like inflammation. And then you can like largely uh, umbrella those to reactivities because they all are reactivities, but they all behave in the body differently. So I talk about that in the book just to be people to be mindful of that because I see oftentimes with my patients, they'll come in with these food sensitivity tests mm-hmm. and they'll say, I have an allergy to all these foods and they avoid all of these foods because the doctor ran the lab and didn't really explain it or maybe they just forgot and they will avoid it at all costs thinking they have an allergy. Right. Really, that's oftentimes a sign of intestinal permeability. It's, it's less to do with the food and more to do with the larger gut-centric inflammation and things that we can work on yeah. over time. And whenever I've done those, again, like it's with Lecos or you, it is looking for wide-scale permeability, but then there are things that spike, things that I know I can't eat, and then it's also the things that I absolutely abuse and clearly you know, almond milk or kale or spinach mm-hmm. or things that I'm just eating yeah. way too much of. <laughs> So when you eliminate and then add things in is the idea, and I think I, it's heartbreaking to me, but I also am not very tolerant of dairy. I can work myself up to it mm-hmm. in, t- in the sense of like sort of being probably permanently a little inflamed, but yeah. are these things just off the table forever? No, not necessarily. So it's about taking time away from it and then slowly reintroducing it. So I even 
tell people that try to reintroduce gluten, try to reintroduce sugar, mm -hmm. these things that you know maybe for, don't work for me may work fine for you in a certain amounts. You're not you know binging on it, but it's part of your diet and it's a balanced approach for some people. Let's test it out, experiment, and really uh, find out what works for your body. So dairy for you. It may you may want to avoid it for a while and allow that inflammation to be calmed. Allow your immune systems to reshift and recalibrate, and then try bringing it in slowly. Because it's important to 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 note that when you go off of foods for a while, your microbiome bacteria is shifting. Mm -hmm. So when you bring foods back in, and you're having it too much too soon after you've been off of it for four or eight weeks, and you have a reaction, then people will automatically think, oh, it's a reaction to the food and I shouldn't have it when I consult patients is to slowly bring it back in because it may not be an intolerance or a sensitivity or allergy. It may be the fact your microbiome just needs to say, oh, I'm digesting this again. Mm -hmm. And we start, the microbiome shifts and allows the proper probiotics, the proper bacteria and enzymes to break down these foods. And there are better ways to get dairy. You can get cultured dairies like fermented dairies like kefirs or kefirs, depending on who you talk to pronunciation wise. <laughs> People in Pittsburgh say kefirs, <laughs> but I say kefirs. It's, I don't. It's a Turkish I don't know. word. Yeah, I'm scared to pronounce it. Just yeah, I'm, just I'll get destroyed. Let, let, me, let me say it. <laughs> All right. So then, but yogurts and cheeses, but grass-fed, the A2 casein, which I know you're well aware of, the more ancient dairy protein is more tolerable for some people. So it may not be the dairy; it may be the source of the dairy, but the mm -hmm. cows fed. In terms of if weight loss is a goal, would you recommend like an eight-week inflammation suppressing diet, like what what you have in the book, or ketotarian, or what's or is this kind of ketotarian? It this uh, the inflammation spectrum plan in there again. It, it's tailored based on the toolbox and your quiz score, but it, this to me is a starting point to find out food sensitivities and reactivities. And what foods within whatever paradigm you're eating, if you're paleo or vegan or ketogenic, what foods under that umbrella work best for you? Mm -hmm. So I see the inflammation spectrum, no matter which way you eat, find out f which foods within that category of a diet, quote unquote, work best for you. So what's the best keto foods? What's the best paleo foods? What's the best whole 30 foods mm -hmm. for you to work with. But ketotarian is one part of that. So I even mentioned that in passing in the book that if you're eating ketotarian, okay, find out which foods, maybe eggs don't work for you. Maybe nuts and seeds don't work for you. So the inflammation spectrum is meant to guide you to find out that food piece. And then let's talk about keto a little bit too, just because it's, I know fascinating to people and can kind of be done badly, right? I just was also with a friend who did like old school keto because she loves meat and she got really sick. Is yeah. that common? She had to quit. She lost a bunch of weight, but she was so ill she couldn't continue. Yeah. I think that a lot of times people get excited with these ways of eating and they do go too fast too soon with this approach and this quote unquote dirty keto approach where it's anything as long as it's high fat, low carb it's not going to work for a lot of people sustainably. Yeah. You find this like euphoric honeymoon period with the with the conventional ketogenic diet for some people, but for long term like what's impact what impact is that going to have on them? And then they can have health problems because of it. Right. So looking at the quality of foods and then 
yeah, I mean, just because you read it on a blog doesn't mean it's necessarily right for you. News, right. news flash on that one. So, but with Ketotarian, you created that with the idea that it's something you could theoretically either do seasonally or for a long period of time. I mean, it's essentially yeah. plants with some a little bit of fish. Yeah, fish and eggs. Yeah, so there's vegan keto options in Ketotarian, but then we have the vegetarian keto that brings in eggs and ghee, which is clarified butter, and then the pescatarian, or I call it vegetarian in the book, but basically wild-caught fish and fresh seafood. So people can pick what they want, but I recommend the broader, more variety version of it that is pescatarian, but still mostly plant-centric keto. And I do a cyclical approach where I will be in ketosis. I've built that metabolic flexibility to do that. And then when I want to have the sweet potato fries or the goody girl <laughs> cookies, uh, I'll have it, but then I can go back into ketosis. Right. But you have to build that metabolic flexibility. Most people are stuck only in sugar burning mode their whole life. Mm-hmm. So what we have to do is start to lowering inflammation, start to train your metabolism to burn fat for fuel as well as burn sugar. So it's like kindling on the fire is sugar and the log on the fire is fat. And I like to burn both. Most people are just burning kindling and they're hangry as hell because of it. And then if you're burning, if you're fully ketogenic, are you not burning sugar or by, by being ketogenic, you're burning both? You are burning fat as your primary fuel. But yeah, if you're still eating vegetables and you're still going to be burning some kindling as well, depending on how many carbs you're eating. My friend who followed my advice slash your advice and did ketotarian, she said that she does it during the week and then she lets loose on the weekends and it's totally working. That seems very attainable. Yeah, totally. And you, not everybody has that metabolic flexibility. Some people that have neurological issues or like really insulin resistant, if they go and do what I do or your friend does, Mm -hmm. they will pay for it. They will feel horrible. They have to stay that lower carb state Mm -hmm. longer term. So back to that bigger point of finding out what works for your body. Right. And is there any of all these sort of system-wide inflammation or these inflammation systems, like are there any that you feel like if you if you had everyone's quiz results based on what you've seen in your own practice, can you predict whether it's like blood sugar, insulin, or the digestion or brain nervous system? Like where do you think most of us are spiking? If you had to pick one of the seven areas, I would probably say the digestion mm. as being an issue. But because the gut is such a, Hippocrates also said, all disease begins in the gut. And I think that there's a lot of gut-centric components to hormone issues and neurological issues and musculoskeletal. So I would say that's what I would probably see. And then the brain, which the gut's your second brain, it's formed from the same fetal tissue and it's linked to the gut-brain axis. So in functional medicine, that's something that we look at. So the second brain, the gut, and then the brain, brain, the actual anxiety, mm-hmm. the low-grade fatigue. I would say the gut and brain are probably such central things that I see oftentimes. But look, I mean, because our body's interconnected, polyinflammation, that eighth section in the book, is really very common because someone with one problem in one area can have problems in other areas. So what I wanted to do in the book is not to stress people out with, you know, what the heck's wrong with me, but just just say, become mindful of what's going on in your body. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes people are just so used to feeling lousy that they think it's normal. Right. But then when people start thinking, oh yeah, the outer third of my eyebrows are thinning. I just thought that was normal. Yours are completely fine. Okay. okay. I said never, but I just wanted to fact check that. <laughs> yeah. No, they're fine. Yeah. So, but 
or I don't go to the, I don't go to the bathroom every day. Mm-hmm. I go every two days. That's not normal. It's not normal. Mm-hmm. It's common, but not normal. So start educating people on these basic ways that the human body does the best at. And then they can start again, proving these in powerful ways. Yeah, no, I think it's it's also interesting too because I think as much as we love to self-diagnose and it's like what's wrong with me and what do I have and what do I call it? It is there is this version of sort of sweeping it all away and then who cares? Mm-hmm. Like you feel better. Yeah. Right? Like you don't need to necessarily pull the thread to understand exactly what's happening in your body. Mm-hmm. And it's probably not possible to even do that. It's impo- yeah, it's not possible, but you can look at the like the bigger pieces of the puzzle and run labs. If you people want to run the labs, they can. And the statistics are just, they're just facts. The way that the world is right now, that most people in the United States have some sort of inflammatory issue. Right. So this is not fear mongering or becoming, you know, orthorexic about food. It's just a reality. But it's it, the other side of the coin is these are things that people can start moving in the right direction with just yeah. simple, effective, accessible food changes that almost anybody can do. As I said in the elimination chapter, this isn't about eliminating foods and being punitive and punishing your body with another diet. It's really about eliminating feeling bad. Mm-hmm. That's really the focus is not this becoming obsessive about all the things you can't have. It's really about loving your body enough to feed it good things, be well fed with nutrient dense foods and feeling great. Mm-hmm. Feeling great is not a bad place to be at. And a lot of times we get pushed back in this space of wellness by saying well, you're you know, be- making people obsessive about foods. I think that can happen. Mm-hmm. But the way that I'm advocated for my patients and in the book, it's the opposite of that. Feeling lousy is not a fun place to be at. And a lot of people feel like that. So we have to do something different to see something different. Well, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks for listening to my conversation with Dr. Will Cole. Make sure to grab a copy of his book, The Inflammation Spectrum, available now. For more on Will, you can head to his website at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E. Now... Over to GP for today's AMA. Alexandra has a spicy question, which is tips for maintaining an exciting sex life in a long-term committed relationship. That's a good one. I think that in most cases it is hard for people to maintain that excitement over decades or years and years. And you're never going to have you know, that specific feeling of a first kiss with someone that you've been with for, you know, eight years or whatever the case may be. But I think the really interesting thing about a committed long-term relationship is the opportunity to really deepen in the relationship and really deepen in the sexual relationship. And I think the beautiful part about a a monogamous long-term relationship is that sex is something you only do with the other person. And if you're safe in that dynamic, you can constantly be exploring new aspects of yourself and the other person. If you're both able to be there in a completely judgment-free zone and, and, and also get out of your head, which I think for us women, sometimes it's hard to do. I think that, you know, we can always find incredible new depths of intimacy and sexiness. 
Thank you, GP. If you have your own question you want GP to answer, drop us a line at Goop on Instagram or Facebook. That's it for today's episode. If you have a chance, please rate and review. Hit subscribe to keep up with new episodes and pass it along to a friend. Thanks again for joining. I hope you'll come back next week for more. And in the meantime, you can check out goop.com slash the podcast.